Somebody said, can you tone it down? Well, I guess I could, but why? Well, I don't like loud things. Well, I can't help that. I'm just a loud thing. Hallelujah. Let's turn our Bibles today to Acts, the 17th chapter. We're going to read from verse 1 through 9. We're going to continue along the way of the kingdom. There is a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is death. What is the way of the kingdom? The way of the kingdom is what Jesus established when he came. He came and he began in Luke and he began to say, you have heard that it's said about your enemies, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Do good to them that persecute you. Give to them that don't have to give. Give to those that can't repay. Now that is a startling way of setting order back into a sinful world's life. Because that's not what we're about. Let's just praise God. Let's just look at ourselves. We are greedy. We want more. We are never satisfied. And I'm not talking about you, beloved people. I'm talking about all the rest of the kingdom. Now, and you know I'm kidding. I'm talking about all of us. And it would be a hard-pressed day to pry a $100 bill out of our hand that we was headed for Walmart to buy us something that we didn't need than it would be to stop and give it to somebody that we saw sitting beside the road. Because the first thing we'd say is this, well, I wonder what he hasn't done. Or I wonder what he has done. It doesn't really matter what he did or what he didn't do. The problem is that you do nothing with him. Yeah. Do unto others you would have them do unto you. Now... I would that people would give me $100 bills. Even if I'm not sitting by the road. And when I say what I'm saying is that Jesus came and unveiled a new way. He was the light to those that sat in the prisons of unbelief. And if we really want to walk like Jesus, then we're going to have to do things the way of the kingdom. I'm not telling you they're easy, but I'm telling you that Jesus said the words that he spoke, they are spirit and life. And I don't know why everybody is a Christian, but I'm hoping that eternal life is your goal. Because if you are, then what we want to do is we want to live for that moment. Could I get an amen? Yeah. All right. Acts the 17th chapter, and verse 1, it says in this, and when they had passed through and Philippus and Apollo, well, we're going to call it Sydney and Walpole, they came to Crydersville, and there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went into them, and three Sabbath days, three weeks, he reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. 
opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered, risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom he was telling them about, was the Messiah, the Christ, the Yahshua. And he says, and some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas and of the devout men, uh, devout Greeks, a great multitude of the chief women, not a few. But the Jews which believed not moved with envy. They took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort and gathered a company and set all the city in an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also, whom Jason hath received. And these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. They troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And they had... They let them go. Those that have turned the world upside down. I don't think they turned the world upside down. I think they righted the axis of righteousness. I think they righted the axis, axis of love, of faith, and of hope. I think that Jesus came to reset righteousness in men's lives. He didn't come to turn the world upside down. He come to right the world that had been turned upside down. Now, it says in this passage of Scripture that there are two ways set before us. There's always a choice to man. And the ways of Caesar, which is simply made up of Satan's thoughts, suggestions, that really interact with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, which are the three pillars of the kingdom of darkness. And unless man forsakes those pillars, his kingdom will continue to rule. And that's 1 John 2, 15, and the pillars of the kingdom of God is love, faith, and hope. And so... Jesus comes, makes disciples, and these disciples start doing things the kingdom way. They're called Christians. They're called imitators of Jesus Christ. They're called imitators of the Son of God. Get out of here. They were really like shining and living like Christians. What an amazing deal it was back then. And they took notice that they had been with Jesus, but here it says that they were known as turning the world upside down, and now they've come hither. What does that mean? That means they've come to do the same thing in this city.
And they Pharisees and Sadducees and hypocrites all knew what was going to happen. All of the things that they had set in action, set in motion, all of the things they did to raise money, to be recognized, to be, you know, uh, uh, uplifted and seen as holy men was going to be unveiled and tore down. And they said, this Jesus is opposed to the decrees of Caesar. This kingdom that you and I are a part of, as they're calling them those that turn the world upside down, they said, this world that we know of right now is born upon the decrees of Caesar, not of one Jesus. And we don't want them coming in here making any adjustments. They've come here to do the same thing. Wouldn't it be great that we had reputations like that? Wouldn't it be that when somebody was demon-possessed and we came into Walmart, not saying that everybody demon-possessed hangs out there, uh, but I'm just saying, what, what if we went there and you would hear people whispering, I know who they are. Go down the other aisle. I know what they've done. I know. I know. They, they, they're like Paul. Come on, go down the other aisle. We don't want to meet them. Wouldn't it be nice? Some people said, well, I never talked to demons. I know, but wouldn't you like to hear them talking about you? Wouldn't it be nice if they knew our names? But the kingdom or what they were involved in, the world that they were afraid of being shaken was established on decrees. Somebody say decrees. Now, decree is simply a judgment. It is an opinion, a thought of how something should be done. And when man starts thinking about things, guess what he does? A man's ways are right in his own eyes. Right? And then the Bible says that in a fool's eyes, all of his ways are right. In other words, this was a kingdom built on the decrees of Caesar in influenced by the kingdom of darkness built on the lust of the flesh, the pride of the life, and the lust of the eyes. And that's what that kingdom of Caesar was built on. It was not built upon the legitimacy of God, not built upon the legitimacy of Sadducees that didn't even believe in spirits, didn't believe in the resurrection, didn't believe in angels, or the Pharisees that sought to do everything in such an extreme way that nobody could measure up. And in reality, they never measured up either. And then it says, but these men declare another king. What is his kingdom built on? Decrees. A decree is rules and requirements that are born out of opinions that please men and what is good for him in his own eyes. That's what a decree is. That's how governments, that's how laws 
come into force. You ever notice people pass laws that have nothing to do with me? They've never asked my opinion, though they represent me. So they really think I'm an idiot, and so they pass laws that help them. Example, taking away term limits. In other words, you can't fire a congressman. Doesn't much matter what he does, you can't fire him. Now, he can leave office, but after he's been there, I think it's four years, one term, he gets all benefits until the day he dies. Huh, how'd you like to vote on that on your own retirement? Yeah, they never asked me what I thought about how long they should work before they retired. But I've got to work 30, 40, 50 years, and the money that I paid them, they passed a law that they get to spend it and pay me back called Social Security. Did you know that they spend all your money that comes in? None of your Social Security money is in a bank waiting for you. It is a debt that is added to the national debt. And they have to pay you back every month. And so when they cut you back, it just simply means they're shaving off your pennies. Now, I don't like that. But that is the world that we live in. And I'm here to live peaceably in the world that I may have a voice to it. So we have to understand that Judgments and decrees are laws that are passed by men of superior authority that has been given to them by our vote. Now, you lose that when you get married because you ain't got no vote. It really is her way or the highway. And you don't believe it's like that, I'm sure, I'm presuming. You don't think it's like that. Really? What would happen if I came home and did something you didn't like? Yeah. I think it's a nice manner you said in the past. You do that when you come home, your clothes will be on the porch. Okay, so it's not the highway way, it's the porch way. You ever notice my wife says this all the time? Come to my house. Why? Because pastor doesn't have one. How many of you men have a house? Listen to your wife talk. You don't have a place. You're like Jesus to lay your head. The pillow you got is borrowed, brother. I don't care how much you paid that guy on TV to get. Now, I think one of the reasons he's wealthy is I haven't seen a wedding ring on his hand. Now, let's, let's move on. So, Jesus comes and it says, but they say there's another king. Jesus is the king of kings. And they were known by, they were recognized. They didn't have to tell people that they were Christians, but it was by the way that they lived and handled the affairs of life that caused them to be a light of the world. And Jesus did decree this to us. If you are going to be in the kingdom, if you're going to live in the kingdom way, that you are going to be a light to the world. 
then what you have to do is this. You can't just say that I'm Lord, but you're going to have to be a doer of the word. Amen. The kingdom way. The way of the kingdom. Everything that has been built that we see in this world has been built through the hands of men influenced by the devil and, listen to me, can be, can be turned upside down. And I will say this, drug addiction, perversion, pornography, everything about a sinful kingdom can be turned upside down. It can be righted by righteous men and women. The kingdom of God is stronger than the kingdom of darkness. And when you start applying the way of the kingdom, you are going to begin to unveil who Jesus really is. You're going to begin to unveil the way of life. And you are going to begin to unveil that God is with you. As Nebuchadnezzar, as a Neil, what is his name? Uh, yeah, in John the third chapter, Nicodemus said, I know that thou art from God because nobody could do what you're doing, but God be with him. Jesus became the answer of a world bound by sin. And every time they come to him with a problem, he flipped their world upside down. When you begin to position yourself under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, under the activity and the commands and the decrees of the King of Kings, you will begin to live the way of the kingdom. You'll be the light of your world and you will begin to belong to a class of people that men and women will honor and respect. And when you do these things, the good thing about this is you leave a legacy for your children. A legacy. Somebody say a legacy. You leave something, a deposit in them that they can refer back to and say, no, this is how our families do it. This is how dad used to do it. Because whatever you are showing your children, your children are going to follow that path. And if you are in the sphere of living under the decrees of a Caesar in your life, and you never incorporate the way of the kingdom, your children, though they may attend church, they will never be doers of the word because we have never been doers of the word. Now, being a doer of the word simply means that there is nothing impossible to you. There's nothing that the world cannot, the word cannot alter or transform. Now, let's go to uh, Philippians 4.15. We're going to talk about the way of the kingdom. Now, I know about to make half of you mad, but you know, I can't help it. It's in the Bible. Gemini, you know. 
email God or something. I, I'm, I'm just telling you. you. You know, the world is so lacking in love that you can't say anything to them that they don't get offended about. Well, I'm a Democrat. Well, how dare you say that? We are Republicans here. You offended us. Oh, yeah, moving right along. Well, I'm a Republican. Oh, shut up. We're Democrats. Well, you can't be a Christian and be a Republican. You can't be a Christian. You can't be a Democrat. Duh, 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 duh. On and on. Meaning nothing but hate and division. Because we have a political preference. I don't care if yours is a Democrat or a Republican. If you're three years old and have voted once, you know they're all liars. And I mean that. They went there to represent me, and none of them have ever asked me what I wanted. And everything I put them in office for, they've never done. I don't know where, what state you come from, but I got a little Missouri blood in me that says, if you aren't going to be a liar, show me. Now, Philippians 4.15, and it says this. Now, ye Philippians, know that also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated, talked with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Now, was it God's will for people to give and to receive? But what we have in the church today is the Caesar rule. Oh, I could never expect anything from my giving. So you're going to live under the rule of Caesar instead of under the will of God. The Bible says God gives seed to the sower and multiplies the seed that is sown. It is not your seed. It is a God-given seed. So now you tell me whose idea it was for you to sow it and who's going to multiply it when you do. God. So giving is God's idea. It's not your wisdom. Well, you know, men just abuse it today. Then don't abuse it. But don't take away the truth because you don't like how it's being presented or how it's being twisted. But don't do away with the rule of the way of the kingdom because what it does is it cripples the church from establishing the kingdom. It puts everything about the kingdom of God that is divine and supernatural into the hands of people working natural jobs. So we're going to have people poor as a church mouse. And if you ever see mice in our church, be happy. They all have fur coats on because they have heard prosperity. And I believe in prosperity. It is not the goal of my walk, but it is an arm that allows me to share the gospel around the world. And if you don't want that, then I would encourage you don't give. But if you want God's measure and increase in your life, be a giver. Amen. And believe in the kingdom way. 
because Jesus said to the disciples when they said, hey, what about us? We've left everything. Jesus said, there's not a man or a woman giving away home, family, money, or anything else that he'll not receive a hundredfold in this world and in the world to come eternal life. I didn't say those words. Jesus said those words. Very simple, but very profound. He said them. And so here it says, you first wrote me about giving and receiving. I did this one time. I was getting ready to build the first church over on this property. And uh, God said, I, w I, I want you to challenge your faith today. I said, okay, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to tell the people you're about to go under that you have got to have money or you have to stop the building. And I said, God, that's not true. He said, I know it. You can tell them after they give. Now, I had people give me, I think, Jim, you wrote me a check for $10,000 that Sunday. Somebody wrote me a check and put $10,000 in there. I had more money in there, man, than a cat could have kittens in a lifetime. And then God said, now give it back to them. And I said, now, Jesus, you can't get this kind of blood out of a turnip very many times. He said, give it all back. So I gave it all back. And their tithe was in there too. I thought that was a raw deal, but. And God said, tell them, you don't need their money. You need their faith. And that is true. Faith is the creative move of God and the substance of God. Love is the motivator of faith. And so here, I did that, and all these people gave. I had all kind of money, but then I gave it back. None of them checks returned by faith. In other words, people were ruled by the Caesar decrees. Manipulate people emotionally, and you can get anything that they have. We should never have to tell a guilt story to get funds for an orphanage. Could again, amen. Absolutely. When we come back from a crusade in 100,000 or 120,000 this year, I don't know, how many have we had saved, Eric, in crusades? Is Eric here? How many? 720,000 people been saved since January to now. Now, our goal was a million. We've been all over uh, Uganda. In fact, we've, with the impact on Uganda was the last time we was there, the president drove in to meet us. Now, listen, that is the gospel. And so why would anybody have to say, you know, folks, well, we can't go there because we don't have money. When we see 720,000 people give their life to Jesus, there should never be a hand still in the air. It ought to be in our pockets. But the Caesar way, well, you know, maybe it all don't go there. Maybe Pastor Dosak gets some. Never taken any money from Peter Dosak Ministries because I take it from you, the church, for my salary. 
Aren't you glad? Because I'm worthy of double honor is what the Bible says. And so I take it from there, not from the ministry. The ministry 100% goes to winning souls. That's what we say and that's what we do. But how can we stop revival when it's so effective? I've had people say this, in the Caesar way. Well, I want a pastor that's in the pulpit every Sunday. What you want is a controlled servant. Now listen, we are a people of the world. The world is not our enemy, it is our purpose. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. That is what we do. Could I get an amen? amen? And so, I might not be here every Sunday, but you aren't dying. Listen, you and I both know that most of the people that replace me can out-preach me. And some of you are saying, well, today, if it's an example, it don't take much. You're right. It doesn't take much. But I'm anointed as pastor. They're just replacing me. They put the suit on, but it don't fit. So, and you're gracious. Now, we realize that God gives seed to the sower. Somebody say, God gives seed to the sower. If God gives you seed and you sow it and he multiplies it back to you, press down, shaken together, could I have 2 Corinthians 9, 10 up there and the following verses? I want to show you again why God gives you a seed. Now, if you have the Caesar mentality, you will reject this process. Now, he that ministers seed to the sower, he both ministers bread for your food and multiplies your seed sown. What does God do? He gives seed, and then he multiplies the seed sown. And he increases the fruits of your righteousness that you being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. What's this? For the administration of this service not only supplieth the wants of the saints, the wants of the saints. God wants people so empowered by blessing, wealth, whatever you want to call it, that every saint can have their needs met. Now, I don't know about you. I want to find the guy that is because I have a whole list of wants that Phyllis has been saying no to for years. It didn't say for ministry things. It said the wants, the want of the saints, but is abundant also to many thanksgivings unto God. While the experiment of this administration, giving, sowing, reaping, giving and receiving, they glorify God for your professed subjection to the gospel of Christ for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. For by their prayers for you, when you long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for this unspeakable gift. What is the gift? The law of getting wealth to establish the kingdom. Now, I know it's a gift because 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says this. Now, you understand the gospel of Christ. 
that though he was rich, yet he became poor, that through his poverty you may be rich. Why? So I can meet the needs of saints, that I can abound unto every good work and open up wellsprings of thanksgiving unto him that deserves it, God. Now, that is the way of the kingdom. The way of the kingdom is sowing and reaping to get financially free of debt and financially empowered to be a servant to other people. Oh, but you got to work a job. I didn't say you didn't. But your job is going to provide for your needs, give you seed to sow, tithe to give, but God's going to bless you to live an abundant life. You say, I just don't think that's possible. Is God a liar? Well, then stop thinking like Caesar. I'm not trying to be mean, but folks, someday we have got to get renewed in our mind. Do you want to flip the world upside down? Do you want to live in a world that you are not what you make at a job, but you are what faith can make you? I want to be the byproduct of faith. Amen. Well, everybody's going to have a Mercedes. That's not what I said at all. Don't put words in my mouth. Phyllis does that enough. No, no, that's not what I said. I said that as you give, God's going to multiply the seed. Now, that might be your chickens lay three eggs instead of one. Poor chicken. Might be that your cow puts on an extra 100 pounds. It might be that your property <clears throat> goes up in value because somebody wants it. I don't know how it's going to come, but I do know that there is a faithful God that has said it. The kingdom way. Let's go to Philippians, uh, the fourth chapter, and look at verse 6. Verse 6. You know they're now treating children three years old and below for depression and anxiety. I don't know what a three-year-old or a six-year-old has to worry about or you shouldn't have anything to worry about. But Philippians 4, 6 says this, Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your heart and your minds through Christ Jesus. So that tells you that carefulness or caring for things, that word means anxiety, affects your mind and your spirit your mind and your spirit. And then it says this, Now finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, and whatsoever things like pastor are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, 
if there be any virtue, if there be any breaking forth of praise, think on those things. Six things that a man's supposed to think on. Now, the word be careful for nothing means this. Don't be anxious. Don't take thought and meditate and dwell on problems. Do not be troubled about something. Do not become distracted from your true source. Be not divided into two ways of thought. God, the problem. The problem, God. It means to be split into factions. Now, people are anxious. They worry. They try to resolve issues. But the Bible tells us this. Don't do it. Why? Because the problems that you have, if you solve one, you'll inherit more. That's the way of Caesar. We live in a world that we seem to think that we have to make right. You cannot make the world right until you right the world through kingdom ways. The word anxious means that we constantly think on it. But the Bible says this, stop, don't do that. But with prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God and the great assurance that does not come from this world will lay hold of your mind and your spirit. Care for nothing? What do you mean? It means that life is to be handled by prayer that connects you with a source greater than you. And if God can't fix it by prayer, there is no hope of you ever fixing it. Now it says this, when concerns come, care, anxieties, troubling thoughts, Problems that seem to escape you getting away from them, the first thing that every believer in the kingdom way does is pray. The second thing it does, draw a line and establish itself with thanksgiving, which praise, praise is a place of rest. It's done. You are prophetically thanking God for that which has already been handled by him. Now, you can, I, I don't, I, I do not begrudge people take medicine. You, you can do herbalize yourself, medicate yourself, uh, you know, hypnotize yourself. You, you can do anything you want. But the best way is the kingdom way. Amen. Could I get an amen? amen? The kingdom way. The Bible says it this way in 
1 Peter 5, 6. Could I have that on the screen? What we have to understand is that, have any of you ever read the Lord's Prayer? Of course. It says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will will be done. But you notice that it establishes something. It establishes the family factor. God is your father. And he loves you because he's not partial. He loves you as much as he does any son. In fact, Jesus said it this way in John the 16th chapter, as the father hath loved me, so does he love you. So there is the father factor and then there is the praise factor. And that is that when you recognize who you are, would God do anything different to you than he has done to Jesus? Because he said, whatever you ask in my name now, the Father himself will do it. So I'm out of the equation and God has become your source. Now, then Jesus tells us to thank God. Just thank him. Why? Because once you pray and begin to worship God and rest that he is your source, the will of the kingdom will be done on this earth, in your life. And then he said, now, after you establish those simple boundaries, now you can say, give me daily bread. Deliver me from evil. Forgive those that trespass against me. Why? Because you are assured in the place of peace that God's your Father. Think of God your Father. God your Father. Father, I know you have that, I know that you've known all the things that I would ever face. Father, I asked you for this. He said, if I asked him for an egg, would he give me a serpent? If I asked him for bread, would he give me a stone? Well, no, 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 no. Where is the doubt? Only in the Caesar kingdom. But in the kingdom way, there is no doubt. He is my father. Now I will just rest and proclaim what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will continually do. I will give him praise. Hallelujah. But the concept of that is found here. Once you address God with your need, he meets the need. First, uh, Peter 5, 6 says, humble yourself. Anybody under, remember what humble is? Humble yourself, live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. In other words, start living the kingdom way. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist in the faith, the kingdom way, knowing that the same affections, afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Now, after you have suffered for a certain time, God delivers you. Now, what does all that mean? That means this. Stop trying to handle things your way. 
Lay them over on God through prayer, through supplications. Lay them there and rest in the Lord because the devil's looking for people that are anxious, that opens the door to every evil work. He can't get to people that live in the kingdom way. It doesn't mean he doesn't scratch the door, but he's not going to have his end desire. Amen? So when he comes up against your door, just yell, there are no balonies here. No Oscar Mitre wieners in this house. We are the children of God and we believe God. Go away. The kingdom way. James 1, 2, could I have that? This is an extraordinary thing. Be happy when stuff is going wrong. My brethren, count it kind of joyful. Bow your head and whine, and, but say, but we believe Jesus. What's it say? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, <clears throat> knowing, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting some things. What? Nothing. Do you really believe that a man could live that way? Come on. Do you? Come on. I mean, come on. Let's be real. You really believe that God meant what he said there? We would want nothing? Huh? Is that what you really believe? You believe that when problems come, if you count it all joy, why? Because you know the devil showed up because God is about to show up. And the devil wants to break the faith connection. But if you just stand fast, giving thanksgiving in a place of peace with God, then it will run its course. And when the course is finished, you will be entire, complete, lacking nothing. Now, that's what the Bible said. Well, I just don't think that. You need to dethrone Caesar out of your brain. We need a good revolution. And we need to take back what belongs to us. The mind of God, faith, love, fearlessness, boldness. We need to live a word revolt against the devil and reverse Caesar's influence over us. Hallelujah. Wanting nothing. Gemini. Count it all joy. How you doing, brother? <laughs> well, but if the devil wasn't alive, I wouldn't even know what good was. In other words, you're so miserable, you're just walking through life and you don't care what happens. Stop. Stop it. The kingdom way is to deal with things when they rise up and not worry about things that are going to happen. Remember when Jesus said, don't take thought about tomorrow. 
the kingdom way. James 3.8. Let's go to James 3.8. Wow, this is going to... All right. And it says, But the tongue no man can tame. It is an unruly evil. It's full of deadly poison. Now, let's stop right there. Understand what your tongue has in it. Deadly poison. Do you think somebody ought to take control of it? Yeah. Now, man can't tame it, but the Holy Ghost can. The Holy Ghost can enable and empower you to tame your tongue. Your tongue was never meant to be filled with evil after you get born again. And then it says this, Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursing. My brethren, now these things should not be. He warns us there's something going on. And it says, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brother, these things should not be so. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either vines, figs? Can no fountain, no fountain can both yield salt water and fresh? Who is a wise man endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. But if ye have bitter and envying, which are expressed by words, and strife in your heart, where the tongue speaks of the abundance, do not glory and lie not against the truth. Deal with it. The wisdom... This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For when envying and strife, where for where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every spiritual work, every evil work. But wisdom that is from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Now, our tongue, the kingdom way, we bless those that curse us. We bless them that persecute us. That is the kingdom way. We speak good of every man, enemy or not. We don't say something, but hey, I'll tell you something later. That's Caesar's way. Well, I just told them what it was like and what I really meant. That's Caesar's way. Get a hold of your tongue. You poison spewer. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And we speak down to ourselves, down to our children, down to our spouses. 
we talk, we degrade, we disassemble, we break dreams, we repeat matters, we start lies. That is the Caesar way. They came and they told false reports on Jesus. That's the Caesar's way. Don't start a lie even if you have inside fact. Don't degrade other people. Don't speak down. Don't criticize. My word, they get enough of that from their self and from the devil. I'm talking about the way of the kingdom. Now it said this, these are they. They knew them by what they had been doing. And people will know you whether you have Caesar's decree or God's decree. Could it get an amen? Yep. Hallelujah. The way of the kingdom is not giving birth to evil, thoughts, jealousy, strife, or any type of division. Stop it. We have so degraded our God reflection that a political remark can set us off. Somebody ought to get saved. Somebody ought to get sanctified. Somebody ought to get under the way of the kingdom. I'm your enemy because I didn't vote like you. You know what that's called? You know what that's called? Dictatorship. Not democracy at all. Well, I, I, I don't like them because of they're that persuasion. How can they be Christians when they vote for a party that does abortion? I don't know. I'm not them. Well, how can they vote for that when, when, when everybody wants to have guns and kill people? Well, I know the feeling, but I'm not for that party either. See, I'm for Jesus. And if you want to take me out of the kingdom way and bring me into your Caesar way, you're going to judge me illegitimately. And you're going to judge me falsely. And you're going to crucify me without reason. And you're going to think that you're doing God a favor. When really, you'll be just like Paul. You'll be the enemy of God. Nobody deserves that type of scrutiny in their life. I have friends that are Democrats. I have friends that are Republicans. Myself, I'm an independent. I vote for who I want to. I don't vote along party lines. Sometimes I don't even vote to have a party. When I go to the voting booth, they say, what, what part are you? I say, I'm an independent. They said, you can't be. I said, I am. Phyllis will tell you, I argue with them every, every time I vote. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm voting for who I want to vote for. 
well, you can't do that. I said, well, I'm going to. I've called the, the voter's registration office in Shelby County and told them, I think you're crazy. I need a place. I am an independent. Well, you can't be an independent. I am. I vote for who I want to. So sometimes you might like me as a Democrat. Other times you might like me as a Republican. So at any given time, you can dislike me or like me. But you don't have the right to do it if you walk in the kingdom way. Amen. How shallow is our walk with Christ when we can lose control over a man's political persuasions? Not very deep. Not very deep. Not very deep. It's almost as shallow as hating people that have a certain geographical birth. Someone that has a different color of skin. It's just political racism. It's nothing but every evil work. And it'll open the door to your life for more devilish stuff to come. Sure. Do you know you're black? You, you, you know you're black, and you know I'm white. Okay. Now, I'm going hunting with your son today. And I'm taking him deer hunting. I'm sure you haven't taught him that down there. Where, where do you live? Oh, you were about to say ghettos, weren't you? Yeah. The hood. The hood, the hood. Well, we're going to put a hood on him, but it's going to be camel hood today. And he won't kill the deer today. And uh, that way you won't have to have him on the corner panhandling. But we're, I'm kidding. Now, does white and black ever come up between you and your kids? and my house, and my kids. No. You're kidding me. His kid will call me and say, hey, Pastor, I want to go fishing. When can we go fishing at your place? I'm thinking, my place? Have your dad get his own place. <laughs> I taught him how to fish. Taught him how to spit on a worm before he cast it out. Is that your trash? My word, son. You know how much it costs us to clean this church? You just pollute. All right. Now, I've never called his, his kid, hey, hey, RJ, you know you're black? He'd probably say, well, you're bigger white than I am black. Those aren't even issues. I don't even think about if you're a Democrat or a Republican. How shallow is that? I don't care if you're married or divorced. I don't care if you're thin or you're fat. I don't care if you're bald or have hair. I don't care. Because I'm about to join either party. Either I'm getting a hair transplant or I'm going to end up bald one day. But now listen to me. We've got to start living the kingdom way. Come on, we are better than being ruled by Caesar. Amen. 
Could I get an amen? amen? Let's do things the kingdom way. Amen, Phyllis? Ephesians 5, 26. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands. You heard that groan of that Caesar mind, didn't you? No, I'm kidding. Praise God. Hallelujah. Stand your feet. The kingdom way, the way of the kingdom. Saints, abundance is right here. Freedom, turning every prison into a place of celebration. Breaking every genetic deficiency awaits. Swallowing poverty up awaits. Breaking depression and anxiety awaits. Now you can stay in the kingdom of Caesar if you want, but Jesus is inviting us, come and follow me. Let's follow Jesus into a realm of life, to a realm of love, realm of power, Let's be the light of the